Welcome to the Humanise the Numbers podcast series. Leaders, managers and owners of ambitious accounting firms sharing insights, successes and issues that will challenge you and connect you and your firm to the ways and means of transforming your firm's results. So accountants are not natural sellers. Um, They're accountants, they're analytical people. And it's taken me a long time to work out how to best talk to accountants about selling, upselling, cross-selling, whichever way you want to put it. Um, And the best way I found to describe it is we are problem solving. We are finding a problem and offering a solution. How do your clients determine the value that your firm delivers? How does a firm of accountants acknowledge the value they deliver year in, year out, quarter in, quarter out, month in, month out? Well, on this podcast, you'll hear from Michael Carthy from his firm in Stafford talk about the value register that they keep and the challenging conversation we have around the non-tangible value that matters, I would argue, most of your clients as opposed to the tangible payoff they get from working with your firm. You'll also hear Michael talk about the natural tendency not to sell and not to advise and how we work through overcoming those challenges when we want to take a firm towards advisory fees, advisory profits, as well as delivering compliance. Let's go to that podcast discussion with Michael now. Hi, I'm Michael Carthy. I'm the Managing Director of Carthy Accountants. We are a small high street accounting firm based in Stafford. Um, We do, however, have um, an arm called CA Tax International, um, which deals with expatriate tax returns. So we do have clients across every continent. Um, As an accountancy firm, we have 700 plus clients, 300 of which are Uh, limited companies, Um, but we also pride ourselves on on being slightly different that um, we use the accounts and the numbers as a tool uh, to improve um, our clients' business uh, and their lives. So it's a big statement, um, improving the lives of your clients. Uh, Michael, what, what exactly does that mean? So... There's a thing with accountants where they uh, talk about being business advisors as well. And a lot of the time um, they will tag in, we will help our um, business owners grow their business. Now, although sometimes that's what's needed for the the client to achieve what they want to achieve, um, sometimes business growth isn't going to improve their lives. Um, potentially, um, if they uh, shrink the business, um, they might be able to achieve what they want to achieve um, more of. Um, we, we work along sort of the, the three, three freedoms of time, money and peace of mind, um, which essentially anything with those three is achievable. Um, because let's say you want more holidays, Um, You need time away from the business, you need the money to pay for the holidays and you need the peace of mind to sit on the beach knowing that you're going to come back to a business. Love that. Love that. So it's um, it's not business growth purely down to the numbers. It's the growth of the life of the business owner 
that, that yes. matters most in and around time, money, yeah. uh, peace of mind. How does that translate onto your team, though, Michael? Because we've not, we've not talked about you've not introduced your team yet. How many, how many have you got? So I've got 22 team members um, right. uh, of, of all sort of levels. So we've got um, some ACAs, ACCAs. Um, we've got uh, AATs, ATTs. Um, we have, um, yeah, a very mixed bag of mixed uh, bag, yeah, right, okay, mixed okay. bag of qualifications. We are also um, a training hub, so we train for ICAEW uh, and CCA as well. Um, we, we did training um, just while we're on team because um, it's great to train people our way of doing it um, because we do work that differently that actually if they've been trained within the way we work, it's a lot easier than bringing them in pre-trained by another firm where let's be honest at some firms, they're told to sit there, do the, um, keep your head down, do the accounts. We don't want your input into our business. Off you go. Right. Um, whereas here we want everyone's input. Right. Okay. Okay. So, um, how then, does uh, improving the lives of your team work in and around improving their time, money, and peace of mind? So we are, um, again, I, although I say it myself, we're, we're actually very good um, with the team. Um, we believe uh, families more important than work. So um, if people have any family issues, we don't ask them to take holiday. We, we normally ask, what are you still doing here when they come and talk to us? Um, but for instance, we don't make people take holiday for carol concerts or um, sports days because um, why should you? You should be able to go and do your family time. Mm. Um, but we also then get the quid pro quo um, where in yeah. January, um, I don't think I have had a toil request or overtime request for three or four years even though i know it happens yeah. um but because we treat our team well they treat us well brilliant brilliant so um i get the time bit i get that that influences therefore if you've got that family focus there's a, a peace of mind um uh, Money? How, how does it uh, how does it translate into the uh, into the money bit, which is uh, a little bit more punchy sometimes, isn't it? As in, how does the money translate to the team? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like uh, you, you talk about the three freedoms, which I think is a really yeah. you know a really powerful line. So, freedom for your customers in around time, money, and peace of mind. But freedom, the three freedoms for your team, time, peace of mind. I've just I've, I've not heard where how the, the the monetary thing in terms of you know how they advance and and, and so on. So um, we, I mean, we, we pay reasonably well um, for our, our team members. Um, we also will have a target um, for our, our yearly turnover. Uh, and we tend to say anything above that for, say, the first 20,000, we'll, uh, we'll split between you all um, right, okay. when all we right. hit the level. So the so, business does well, the team do well. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, we also... Uh, we pay ourselves a reasonable amount. We don't just strip the business out. Um, we keep our drawings 
in line with the rest of the team. Right. Okay. And they can see that, so they don't. So they can see that. What do you mean they can see that? They can see that we're not extravagant in the way that we take money out of the business. Right. So they uh, they don't sit there thinking we're doing all the work and they're getting all the money. Money, right. Okay. All right. Um, so you, you, you're building that sense of um, fairness as a consequence into the building. Um, yeah. Uh, the business the, does well, we all do well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So therefore there's a sense of achievement. Um, yeah. And w w what's the sense of, sort of a team ethic camaraderie piece? What's that like in your firm? Um, uh, very, very good, actually. Oh, um, everyone gets on. Forgive me. Okay. That's, that's a really clumsy question. Let me ask a better question. How would they describe the team the sense of team and camaraderie, not you, you know, if you, I know this is, I'm twisting words here, but you know, how would they describe the team atmosphere, the team sense of camaraderie in your film? So if I brought one of them in here now and you asked that question, the first word that would come out would be family. Right. Um, and there's a lot of discussion when it comes to a family firm, because obviously at one point there was my dad, me, my sister and my mum all working in the business. Brilliant. So when Brilliant. we said family firm, people naturally assumed we meant it's because there's family in it. Yeah. But it's not. So for me, uh, sorry, for the team members, they feel part of the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our clients feel part of the family. So they would say, it's a family. You have arguments mm. with family, mm. but you've got their back. Um, yeah. so we really are a, a family firm. Okay. So culture matters clearly. Yes. In business. Yeah. Majorly. Uh, I can see that. I can hear that as well. So, um, because we talk about humanizing numbers, uh, and this conversation is very much zeroed in on the humanity of, of what's going on in the firm at the moment. And we can expand on that later. Uh, I am now curious. I love uh, this. You, you've got me hook, line, and sinker on the three freedoms. By the way, uh, you know, uh, time, money, and peace of mind. How do you track and measure that so that you can see it's working for your clients? Um. So I'll sit down once a year with our clients to work out their their goals for the year. Um, I tend to start at the very end which is when you're getting out of this, how old are you going to be? What's your lifestyle going to be like? Um, what do you want people to remember you for? Um, and I actually tend to start with a, with quite a, um, quite a dark scenario, uh, which I got taught years ago, which is you, you talk them through, you, you're outside a big stone building and the doors open, you go in, up and down both sides, people all in black. You walk down the aisle, at the bottom there's a coffin there. You're looking, you're lying in there. There's a person stood uh, at the lectern. What are they gonna say about you? And no one wants that person to say, they ran a very good business. They want them to say they were a great dad. They did a lot for charity. They were a great listener, that sort of thing. Mm. So we'll work out that. And then we'll work backwards. Uh, and I tend to work around a five-year plan at a time. So we know where we want to be in five years. Um, 
then we work on that year. And when we get the goals together, it's things like I want to be able to take two weeks holiday. And we know to achieve that, they need to be able to take enough money out to go on that holiday. They need mm. to uh, trust the team enough to leave them in charge while they go away. And they yeah. need the time to be able to go away. Mm. I have been with clients who have not been on holiday for eight years and sat with them. And they've said, do you know what? Uh, I just can't trust the team enough. And I've then sat with their team and the team have said, he doesn't trust us enough. We want to, we want to be more responsible, but he doesn't trust us enough. Yeah. And as soon as you bash all the heads together, two months later, that client is off on holiday. The business is running absolutely brilliantly and it's, mm. and it's all hunky-dory. Um, so measuring is very important. We then have a, a monthly Zoom to see where they are. And then we have the quarterly 90-day planning sessions where we make sure they've hit their 90-day goals uh, and we plan for the next 90 days. So are you doing that for all 300 clients then? You've got your annual goal setting, your quarterly uh, planning and your monthly Zooms. Is that happening yeah. times 300? Uh, no, it's not, um, purely for scalability purposes. Um, the clients will get a yearly review meeting. So they um, all get that? They all get the yearly one? They all get that, not necessarily with me, that'll be with their client relationship manager. And do the um, client relationship managers ask them that goals question? They do, yes. All right. And how comfortable are they doing that then, Michael? Because that's, uh, not, that's not comfort they're, zone stuff, is it? No, they're, they're happy. Um, they've seen... They've seen me do it. They've all sat in meetings and, and, and I've done it. Um, and it's once you've done it the first time, you, you're relaxed. And it's a bit like when, when, and I'll use the S word, the selling word, the first time you go to sell something, yeah. you're nervous, your hands are sweating, your mouth's all dry, and uh, you know you're going to ask for X amount and you're um and ah and you think, oh, God, can I do this? And you say it and they go, yeah, all right then. And suddenly you're like, oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And then from then on, it's absolutely fine. And it's exactly the same with that. All right. So uh, what I've heard there is every year, every one of your 300 limited company managing directors have a goals conversation with either you or one of your team without fail. And your yes. team have developed that skill because all it is is a questioning skill, isn't it? They've developed that skill because first of all, they saw you do it more than once probably and then they went ahead and, and did it themselves. Felt uncomfortable the first time, like the first time you ride a bike, you fall off and scuff your knees, and then they get better and better yeah. at it. Okay. Yes. The, and the business owners don't mind being asked, sorry, just the, the business owners, how do fine. they feel about being asked that question by someone who isn't a business owner? So it, it varies, and the conversation only carries on if that business owner wants it to carry on. Um, and essentially, we've got two or three different outcomes. Number one is uh, you can't drill down to their goals. So their goals are, I want to put 20% on the business. No, but what's your personal goal? 20% more on the business. It's not going to work. They're a closed book. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Other ones will um and ah, uh, and will come up with some, but still aren't majorly bought into it. Uh, and then you have the other ones that really buy into it, say, oh, my goodness, no one's ever asked me this sort of thing before. This is fantastic. 
Um, at that point, the client manager says, well, we can actually do more of this for you along the accountability side, at which point either myself or Aaron would get brought into the meeting to talk to them about how we work with clients to improve their lives by giving Brilliant. them the three freedoms. So your team see that as a um, spot the problem or spot the opportunity, depending on which side of the coin you want to look at with that. And yeah. then they refer that into either you or Aaron and then yes. uh, you'll follow through on that. Brilliant. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So you've got a team of accountants got to a place where they're having a goals conversation every year with every, every limited company. Yes. Owner. Uh, Marvellous. So how, how many, how many are in that quarterly planning, monthly Zoom space? About 40 at the minute. Okay. Um, okay. Where we are talking to them regularly. Yeah. Um, I am trying at the minute. It's, it's been a bit of a, um, yeah, the old expression, pushing the boulder up the hill. And suddenly it starts rolling and you just can't stop it. So my... Does that mean you get squashed, Michael? If you push it up and it starts rolling and it comes and squashes it, is that what you mean? Yeah. All oh, yeah. right, okay. <laughs> Sc scalability is a problem for us at the minute. Sure. Um, and um, the way I'm dealing with that is as much automation and systemization as possible. Um, so every client that, that has these services has a WhatsApp group where I can send motivational quotes to and just check in with them. They can yeah. also then ask, ask me questions via there. Um, that is something that um, I can um, uh, designate another uh, member of the team to be able to sit on that. So although it's me responding, it's actually coming from another member of the team. But don't tell them that. Well, they're going to listen to the podcast, aren't they? So, <laughs> you've just told them. <laughs> okay, okay. So um, I, I'm now curious about, you've got 40 clients who are in that um, quarterly planning and or monthly Zoom with WhatsApp support group. Um, uh, how does the average fee differ for the 40 compared with the other 260? You got any sense of that? Yes, it... It makes a major difference on the fees. And the reason is, if you're advising a client mm. and finding where their pinch points, pain points and problems are and offering a solution to them, which you are being negligent if you don't, normally the solution is, why don't you let us take care of this? Why don't you mm. let us take care of this? So... The f the f there's obviously the fee for the advisory work, but the actual accounts fees are, are more than double with advisory clients right. because we are there basically saying, you, you, if, if you try and do this yourself, you're daft, <laughs> basically. Your time without is saying much, those words. Without saying that, you know, yeah. do, you re do, you, do you want to sit and take, scanning a hundred invoices in when mm. that hour that you're doing that you can be out selling your services or your, yeah. or your things so um and naturally the mindset is if they're paying for a a, a coach an advisor whatever their 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 mindset is one that um as long as i can see the value 
and the return on my investment, I will pay for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, that value and ROI? But before I dive into that, I want to just pick up on your, that comment about um, you're negligent if you don't help that client get clarity on the problem and resolve the problem. That's a big statement, isn't it? It, it is. It's how I... Um, so accountants are not natural sellers. and They're accountants. They're analytical people. And it's taken me a long time to work out how to best talk to accountants about selling, upselling, cross-selling, whichever way you want to put it. Um, and the best way I found to describe it is we are problem solving. We are finding a problem and offering a solution. Um, yes, that solution comes at a fee, but that's because we sell our time. I then say to them, if, if you were doing a set of accounts, found a problem in the accounts and didn't highlight it to the client, you're negligible in what you're doing. Mm. Therefore, what's the difference in that with their business? Right. Uh, it, it, it's, it's very powerful positioning, isn't it? In that actually it's putting the responsibility on you and your team to actually pursue questions and decisions around the best use of their time, their money and the, the resulting peace of mind. Yeah. Um, no, I like, I like I like that a lot. Um, but you you you've just waved a red rag to a bull in what you've just said there because um, we sell our time. Uh, now it's funny, weird, arguably that I was thinking about this this morning just because I've been in a couple of group sessions with groups of accountants this week, and uh, it, it, uh, it it we're having timesheet debates and all the rest of it. I don't want to have the timesheet debate. That's on another podcast. We're on Baker. He's better at talking about it than anyone else. Um, and I was thinking, because my son is, I've got two, two well, I've got three sons, but two of them are musicians. Um, one of them is a, um, quite a competent, um, understate, understatement there, uh, jazz double bass player. And um, he goes to a gig and he gets paid for his time at the gig. But actually he doesn't get paid for his time at the gig. He gets paid for all the work he's done to be able to play that well on stage in that 90 minutes or whatever. And so I, I really struggle with this. We sell our time because it tends to focus the mind on the 10 minutes of a Q&A that can profoundly change the profitability or can profoundly help the business owner make the decision to take holidays and trust his team, for example. And the value of that has got absolutely nothing to do with that 10 minute slot. So I, I need now to understand what you mean by we sell time. We we sell time. I'll, I'll wave the uh, the rag again. So we oh, sell. Yeah, this is going to be good. <laughs> we sell. We sell time, but the cost of that time varies depending on what we are doing. So if we're doing basic bookkeeping, then that time could be worth thirty pound an hour. If I'm doing a strategy session that is going to improve the life mm. um, of my client, that time is worth £250 an hour. So right. the value of the time varies, but we're still selling the same thing. Okay. I, well, actually, 
I, I would argue that you're not selling the same thing because one's bookkeeping, one is not. So you're not selling the same thing, which is your point as well. Um, so, and the price varies. It's still the same unit of time. Yeah. Something else gets delivered. Yes. All right. So that's the delivery part of it. But actually the client experience, the value the client experiences is actually helps the client determine whether they get return on investment or not. Not the time. No. So... Or the service that's delivered. It's their perception of where the value comes from, isn't it? That matters. Yeah, we, we also do something called a value register. Oh, right. Oh, I don't know if What's you... What's that? Uh, okay. So it is an ongoing register, a list of how we... Of the value, the physical pound note value that we have given to that client. Because the amount of times we do things on a, a just we just get on with things and we don't highlight it simple things like paying dividends rather than a bigger salary yeah we don't tell the client well this is saved you x amount this year yeah suddenly if you write it in a value register and show it them yeah. oh so so actually i've saved you our fee there right whereas normally that wouldn't happen um so anything where you've added that, you know, I told you to change your phone supplier. Yeah. Because I could see the figures going up. That's actually yeah. saved you a thousand pound this year. Yeah. And suddenly when you say you're paying me six thousand pound a year, but I've saved you forty thousand pound this year, or I've yeah. added this amount. Sure. Sure. Brilliant. Um, and so have you got that value register for every one of your 300 clients? Uh, yes. All right. So if I said, right, can we do screen share? You could flip it up and show it. Well, I'm not, we're not going to do that, but you could do that. I, I could do it, but not on this laptop. <laughs> okay, no, no. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, interesting. So, um, so you've got a tangible physical, you use the word, register of the cost savings, tax savings, profit improvements that you've influenced during that time, which brilliantly tracks the money impact of the th your three freedoms yes tracks the money impact the money value that your clients experience yes um, how does the value register track the time improvement and peace of mind improvement um the value register doesn't is the simple answer um yeah. the, uh, the they're only really trackable with the 40 clients Okay, you're working Fine. with on a regular basis. Brilliant. All right. How how's, how do you track it for them then? Um, and purely through working through their business plan, uh, their ninety day goals, um, and then uh, their their yearly plan going forward. We can see where we want to get to, um, and we can see when we've got there. So if it simply is, I want to be able to leave the business running for two weeks. Okay, that goes on there. Uh, so they want a two-week holiday, right? Um, that's the goal, and this is what we need to do to achieve it. Um, yeah. And we know it's successful when it's almost, I suppose, um, it's a smart target, basically, um, mm. um, because one of them would be ha receive no phone calls while I'm on that holiday because the business is running itself. Um, and when we can tick off all the things that have made it achievable, we know that it's worked. Yes. It's, it's interesting, isn't it, that um, 
the uh, as a profession we have a tendency to drift towards the numbers first and the humanity the human stuff second and that, that's understandable and and actually it's easier to measure the tangible physical value register numbers but much harder to track and measure the peace of mind emotional payoff that your customers receive your clients receive time's tangible isn't it you, you know if you've saved them time or they've taken a holiday that 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 can out you know i would argue very strongly that you could add easily add that into your tangible register uh, if you if you could um and it's how on earth do we track and measure peace of mind for a client you know it's uh, that one's incredibly difficult it, it's almost they're, they're tracking it themselves um and i say that because they know on a Sunday night, they're not sat there uh, looking through their zero at their bank going, can I pay everyone? Can I have some money? Um, you know when you have peace of mind. It, it's it's quite simple. Um, you'll know it. I know it. Um, mm. I, I know I could actually... Well, I say I know, I believe I could leave this business for three months mm. and walk back in mm. to a fully functioning business. And that is is kind of because I've extracted myself from the day-to-day -day operations. Yeah. Um, yes, I deal with the strategic side, the leadership side, but the actual day-to-day -day operations just happen. Yeah. So... Um, you know when you have that peace of mind. Yeah, you've got the processes and the people using the processes in such a way that you're yes. not concerned about it. Therefore, Sunday yeah. night for you feels great. But I think that's, you know, what you just flagged up there is a really interesting um, potential question for clients, Michael, in terms of, you know, how does Sunday night feel, typical Sunday night feel now compared with last quarter or last year, is yeah. a, a qualitative response which can be tracked and measured. Uh, yes. You know, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm working with a firm at the moment and they're insisting that so what they want to do is is um, get feedback from their clients. So they do, they've done, a, they've done a, a client survey and there's, there's real merit in those client surveys. Um, and ultimately what they get back is a whole series of uh, numbers in terms of performance against certain criteria. But I argue very strongly in those surveys that it's the qualitative questions where you get some real juice. Yeah. And some real insight. And it's why don't we as, uh, as a profession take more seriously the tracking and measuring of answers to qualitative rather than quantitative questions. And um, we've, there, we've got a pro... Go on, sorry, Michael, yes? I was going to say, there will always be some people in the profession who the advisory and working with the clients is not for. Um, mm because there are some people, accountants are analytical. They like numbers. They like, uh, numbers are proof. So I know I had 200 sets of accounts to do and I've submitted 200 sets of accounts. My job is done. Yeah. Um, as soon as you bring any form of humanizing into it, that's not for them. Um, they they are number people and you know what there's the 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 reason lots of business owners most business owners want to work with their accountant is because they're good with numbers so that's good 
and that's how it absolutely should be. But I would take issue with you that, yes, the profession is analytical. It's been trained in a particular way to deliver a particular service called annual accounts, bookkeeping, payroll, audit, and so on. And it appeals to a certain personality and a certain skill set. Uh, but what's really interesting, isn't it, that the most successful firms, the most successful accountants, it seems to me, and it's anecdotal, but it's anecdotal over 20 years and dealing with hundreds of accountants, is that the ones that humanise it and take that as seriously, if not more seriously than the numbers often. And we recently podcast with um, Marie Pegram from UHY East over in uh, Letchworth. Um, so they, they, they've addressed the balance so that actually the focus is, you know, not clients as priority, but team as priority, because we treat them like kings and queens and they treat their customers like kings and queens. It's like, wow, what a shift. And it's, um, and I think, you know, every analytical accountant is human, <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, yes. And, um, and there's, there's this opportunity that um, Sunday nights could be better for all those accountants if they knew there was a more human game being played the following week. Yeah, um, they absolutely could. The, 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 not the problem, but um, I'm, I'm sure most people who are listening have, have read the E-Myth. It's the book that everyone By gets Michael presented. Yeah, 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 it gets and presented. And, and I did wonder when you were talking about the three freedoms, whether you were a Gerberite. Like what I am as well, by the way. I think it's one of the I, most profound books. Yeah. Um, so he talks about uh, a hairdresser. Helen's hairdresser, I believe, and yeah. you know it's hers because it says Helen's hairdresser's above the thing. Yeah. But just because she's good at cutting hair does not make her a great business owner. Yeah. And that's the same. Sometimes accountants basically want the three freedoms, so they leave the practice they're in mm. to set up for themselves, mm. but it, it they are great at doing accounts. It doesn't mean... They have the natural ability to coach people and mm. and advise them. Yeah. Um, so the, the other one that we do is very much we um, uh, walk the talk, uh, talk the walk, whichever way. Um, so we have our own advisor that comes Brilliant. into our board meetings well, quarterly uh, and works with us. Couple of weeks. number one as a family business, you can imagine how interesting they they get. Yeah, um, can. But also a bit like I say, we're working with lots of businesses. He's working with lots of accountants, mm. so you get to feel what the general trend is going around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've just raised another red flag for me, which is the um, the natural ability piece. And you know, there's a natural tendency for analytical accountants who've been trained that way, and a suit audit and accounts and payroll and bookkeeping and all the other accounting services. Um, but, or rather, and uh, we can all learn a new skill, can't we? We can all learn to drive, we can all learn to ride a bike, we can all learn to ask questions, and we can all learn to listen better. We can. I sense a butt coming. <laughs> well, so I was going to say, <laughs> could, could you learn to ballet dance, for instance? Uh, badly, but yeah, I could badly dance. <laughs> I think, I, do you know what? To, I've learned to surf, Michael. I'm not a natural surfer because I haven't got a great okay. sense of balance. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to Portugal this afternoon. Yeah. And, and my goal is, again, to uh, get in the sea and, and surf two or three times over the week. Um, and, and you know what? I do all right. But I'm not the best, but I do all right. 
So what you will do is you will listen to what you have been told, which is paddle out on your surfboard, get onto your knees, then stand up, which is surfing paint by numbers. Sure. You won't, you won't be doing the big loop-de-loops. I'm, no. I'm guessing you're not going to be in the Olympics surfing next, not, next not time. Not at 56, I'm not. No, <laughs> no, no. Um, yes, people can paint by numbers when it comes to, uh, to, to coaching, which is essentially uh, asking and listening um, and offering a solution. Um, but it doesn't mean that that is their natural, their na it's not natural for them to do that. Okay. It, and it puts them outside their comfort zone. Okay. I, and I, I've got some sympathy for that, but I've, I've got to recommend a book which is labeled to sell is human. And actually every human being aged two is brilliant at asking questions with the odd and rare exception. And, and they, and they ultimately get that knocked out of them over time because the teachers uh, shut them down, the parents shut them down and, and not, not necessarily deliberately, but you know, the system shuts it out. Um, but it's to sell is human to have a conversation is human. Some are better at it than others, but the skill is natural to humans because we're a, um, you know, a connected race because of our language and so on. Um, and so, and, and I know off, off this call, we were, we were having a, a chat about the development of your team in and around advisory. And I thought that was really powerful that, um, you know, yes, you and I as business owners can go and advise another business owner and someone who's an employee cannot, I think that's complete twaddle personally. I, I agree, do. yeah. I, um, and um, expose them enough times to the questions and answers that clients have in those settings. And guess what? You'll get um, accountants can so and we, do. Whether they we, want to or not is another issue. We also have, uh, which again, when we've had team members come from other firms, um, they are told never to sit in a room and say the words, I don't know the answer to that question. Mm. We encourage it. And me too. I agree. Oh, that's um, No one knows everything. You don't know yeah, what you don't know. No, but I can it. find out. Absolutely. Yeah, um, brilliant. So that is as well. And, and because of, um, I, I'm, I'm very much, even though this, the, the, the crazy world we're living in is going to remote working, I have everyone sat in this office. Um, mm. And if they need to pull someone else into a meeting, go and get them, pull them into the meeting. Yeah, there's real advantages to working from home, but there's real yeah. big advantages from working together as a team and maybe, you know, hy hybrids got where, where, where this is all heading. You know what, Mike, Michael, the, 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 this conversation around the natural ability red rag that you waved and the fact that we've gone to this place, which is to sell as human, I think it's by Daniel Pink. And I'll, I'll share with you a, a, a short uh, bite-sized business breakthrough report that we, uh, we created around this because it had such an impact on me when I read it. Um, so I'll share that with you and we'll put it in the um, show notes of this podcast or anyone who wants to access it can. And if you want to buy the book, you can go and buy the book from Amazon or wherever. Um, but it's that, um, yes, we are blessed with natural abilities. Some of them are naturally human, of which questions and listening are naturally human, as opposed to surfing or ballet dancing, which ain't necessarily what we were put on the planet to do, you know? Um, so that's what the standout for me is in this conversation, this podcast. So I really appreciate you taking time to join us. But I'm curious as to, of all the conversation we've had in this podcast, 
what what stood out in in terms of being useful or practical or a, an important insight that can help you help your business help your firm help your clients and your team do you think um my my takeaway is actually although we do get the team to to have the conversations is going to be to let them have more of them um, encourage them more right encourage them more because uh, you use the the glass ceiling expression mm. and i suppose they naturally get to a certain level and again we've spoken about the the first time you do something is the the worst it's the hardest actually, yeah. yeah they get to that ceiling and then they go okay uh, let's go get michael in actually mm. do you know what yes i'll come and sit in but mm. you do it yeah, there's, um, forgive me if I'm getting bite-sized obsessed, but there's another report on um, how do people learn brilliantly? And and it's uh, it comes from um, a, a research by a lady called Carol Dweck, which she captured in a book called Mindset. And she showed that if you share with children how the brain works and that when a human being goes to the edge of their comfort and makes a mistake, that's where they learn. So you share that information with children, all of a sudden more children put their hands up in, in class because they're less frightened of cocking it up. Yeah. Because they know that if they do, that's a step in the right direction. And it's that, um, that awareness in and around that, that uh, can really, so I'll share that one with you as well. It's um, that, 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 that blew me away, you know, being a, a family man with four kids, it had a big impact with me. So it's like just encouraging the kids to cock it up, you know? Because that's how we learn. And yeah. um, whereas when we get to grown ups, the, the ego kicks in a little bit more, a little bit more reticent about making mistakes and looking a bit daft, um, especially if we're naturally analytical and less naturally human, then we can understand that there's resistance there. But or rather, and um, to sell is human. To sell is to ask a question and listen to the answer, you know, which is. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael, this has been brilliant. Really appreciate you investing the time. I'll share those couple of reports with you and um, hopefully look forward to crossing swords with you again sometime in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. You'll find more valuable discussions with the leaders of ambitious accounting firms at humanisethenumbers.online. You can also sign up to be notified each time a new podcast is made available. This podcast series, Humanise the Numbers, has been made possible thanks to the support of our sponsors, My Work Papers, Advanced Track, Citago and VFD Pro. Visit humanisethenumbers.online, click the logo of each sponsor and you'll hear what our podcast interviewees have to say about the sponsor's services.